Cause when the jungle come alive, who they we ignite in us? Cincinnati, we gon' rise in us. In the jungle, we unite in us. Dripping orange and black and white, who they when we fight? Live and die in these fights. Wake up the beast, everything day is a feast. Time to bust it off the leash. In the jungle, dripping heat. Tigers fight the city streets. East side, stand up. West side, stand up. If you to the show this is sports with strawberry ice i'm your host the ice man jeff trenopole and as always i bring you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of cincinnati ohio home of a two-time afc north division champion cincinnati Bengals. eat that rap birds now do me a favor if you found the show hit that like and subscribe button smash that thumbs up you guys are awesome i'm up to 2017 subscribers as always, I appreciate every single one of you guys. And as always, if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter and haven't subscribed yet, please do so. Please go to the YouTube channel, Sports with Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button. Hit the bell for the notification. And every time I go live, you'll be notified. Also, exclusively in the YouTube chat crew, we're doing super chats. So if you want to support the show or you got something that you want to discuss with Centauri or Big Willie. Willie Lutz is on the show today. Give us a super chat. I greatly appreciate it. And as always, I come to you live from the Ice Cave. The Ice Cave is brought to you by T Properties. T Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. All right, guys. As you know, I'm also sponsored by Jackpot Joey. Jackpotjoey9.com. You have the beer, which is over here. It's all delicious. Make sure you get that Brink Brewery, which, speaking of Brink Brewery, we're going to be there Friday night, live at 5.30. Me and Matty Myers is going to make his I don't know, I won't say TV debut, but it's more of an internet debut. So me and him be coming there live from Brink Brewery. Come join the party. Again, Brink Brewery. I don't have a graphic yet. Waiting on Brink to, to make one and put it out so I can put it out everywhere. So I'm just telling you on my show. But we do have some really cool new gear just for the championship Bengals. Right here. It says AFC Champs, King of the North, Jackpot Joey 9. We got a black one. Got an orange one, or a black black one, orange one. I'm reading them the wrong way. And we have a white one. So if you guys are interested in any of this stuff, go to jackpotjoy9.com, and it's all on the website. We released them earlier out on the internet, and it wasn't actually up on the website. Now it is. Go there and buy some. And remember, portions of the proceeds go to the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund and the Joe Burrow 
foundation. So you're not just wearing some cool stuff representing the best quarterback in the league. You're also helping people out. And that's what it's all about, trying to help people out. So I appreciate that. Make sure, if you guys haven't done it yet, Betfred, sign up. It's Ohio has legalized sports betting for the first time here in, well, my entire life. Make sure you go bet. Go have some fun. Arrow is having a blast. He might lose all his money. Whatever, Orange Arrow. And I think and, and just say, I see Bourbon's in the chat. You know, just 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 for Bourbon is becoming a, a degenerate gambler. Either he's becoming a degenerate gambler or a really good gambler yet. We haven't figured out which one yet, but he's having a blast too. So make sure you guys go to Betfred and the lot and I sign up. So what's up, everybody in the chat? Let's see here. I think Stranger is first, right? Uh yep, Stranger, you were first. What's going on? Richard, pork chop. Yeah, my bad. I was Messing around on the phone, and I know my show. He's like, you're like, show? Where's the show? Like, I know. I was like, mentally, my bad. It happens. Crip, what's up? Parker! Parker, who has mo- the most glorious mullet I have ever seen in my life. I saw it in person Monday night. Glorious mullet. It was awesome. Haas, you're in there. What's up? Dallas, what's going on, man? I haven't seen you in a while. Who else got there? I said, Crip, porch up. James in there. Matt, like I said, Matt's in there. Uh, I think I mentioned everybody. Oh, excuse me, Matt. Yes, yes, my bad. A winning gambler. Matt's a winning gambler. So we have to put that out there. Not a degenerate gambler. He's a winning gambler. Either way, he's having fun doing it. All right, guys. It's Wednesday. We normally do film study with Centauri. So let's bring him on. What up? How we doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm bloated. Feel great. Well, I got somebody, I got a special guest who's in, in the waiting room, and he wants to bring the smoke. He wants to bring the fire. He wants to have some fun. <laughs> He's Willie Lutz. Hey, what's up, brother? What's going on, boys? I'm sitting here in central Ohio living the dream. It's great to see the both of you. Hey, it looks but, like the hair's starting to come back. I saw you, you turned your head there. You, oh, yeah, it's starting to come back a little go. bit. I, I did have a cut. Like, I don't know, sometime prior to the holiday season. But 2023, I do intend to grow it back. And the 2023 season, I think we're going to have a glorious uh, set of locks ready to go for everyone. Exactly. Well, you know, it's playoff from We're all getting, like, playoff mullets and playoff. I got playoff faux hawks, so I really can't see the back. <laughs> Mine wasn't long enough in the back to actually cut into a, a, a mullet like Dale did. So I just did a, a faux hawk, So This is just bedhead. I just... <laughs> All right, boys, let's get into this. So, it's come out that most likely Lamar's not going to play. He didn't practice. He hasn't practiced in, like, I think I read 15 weeks. He hasn't done anything. So, it sounds like we're going to have the third-string quarterback again. I wasn't scared if Lamar was coming back or not. I'm really not scared now. What's your guys' thoughts? You guys said, Torrell, we'll go around this way. I'll let you go first. Um, Quite frankly, I'm not even scared if he plays. Um, They were – you know, they, they had Lamar and Andrews and everybody last time, and it took a Herculean effort from Lamar Jackson to act like an MVP on that final drive to be have us edged out by two points, and it took Joe Burrow to have an off day. I mean, the, the stars aligned for them to beat us by two points. Um, he's Even if he does play, he's not going to be to that MVP level. He might not even be 50% of normal Lamar Jackson. Um, five weeks is a long time. I mean, that, that's an eternity in football. It's a third of a year. Think how long this season's been. What were you doing five weeks ago? I don't remember. Exactly. <laughs> we're, we're, we're going back to Thanksgiving at this yeah, point. Exactly. I mean, it's been a long, long time. Um, it, remember how long it took the Bengals' offensive line to gel? 
It took them about five, six weeks. Right. That's how long of a time period it's been since he's thrown a football or made someone miss in live action. Um, and Huntley's coming up on two or three weeks himself. I mean, it's the, the most important position on the field has rust everywhere you look. So I'm not really concerned. The, the Bengals ran um, – and I, I don't mean this as an insult, but I mean it as the actuality. They ran a Mickey Mouse level offense and defense last week and still hung up 30 on their ass. And they didn't rest their starters on defense like every Ratbird fan on the planet keeps claiming that they did. <laughs> right, exactly. They had their starting defense out there and they were getting torched. Whether Joe Burrow completed the passes or not, we had guys running wide open down the field. Um, they're in some deep shit, quite frankly. Um, and I think they know it. What do you got, Willie? So. I tend to agree with everything he just said, but um, I still hold out this, and I think it's just with this fear within me that it's from like the 2020 game when he's doing the spin moves and everything. (laughs) If you put Lamar Jackson on that field, I I just feel like it's a little bit different. And, you know, honestly, what you're probably going to get from Tyler Huntley is a little bit more consistency in the passing game and a little bit more rhythm because he's played more recently um do we even see Tyler Huntley I don't know if you have tendonitis in your shoulder and you're still not throwing how comfortable are you going to be on Sunday um that's going to be with live contact that's going to be without the last two weeks of practice as a passing quarterback um granted like Lamar he uses his feet to win uh so a little bit different but the thing with Lamar not playing or potentially playing I just think that could potentially give the Ravens enough juice and on a day where, you know, potentially, and this is all hypothetical, but let's say the Bengals offense falls flat again, um, which they, it's been a while since we've really seen them fall flat. We've seen them have flat halves, but we haven't seen them have flat full games in a long time, you know, a little bit in that Browns game, but other than that, really not a whole lot of, you know, consistently flat performances, but you give them that opportunity to creep back in. It reminds me, the only game I could see the Bengals losing is that Titans game. Um, it, like, you know, that Ravens Titans game, the one the Ravens actually won in the playoffs, which is Lamar's single playoff win. Um, <laughs> yeah. He obviously leaves in that game. They pretty much have nothing on offense. And then he comes back in after cramps, allegedly. I think we allegedly. all know what we think about yeah, that. But, we all know it wasn't cramps. <laughs> no, but that's the only reason I think that. Lamar potentially being on the field is is scary because we have seen him occasionally put those drives together in the end of the games. Although we've seen him a lot in the playoffs and they haven't looked a lot like that, but that is the only kernel that has me a little bit more worried about Lamar than I would be about Snoop Huntley. All right, so how worried are you guys about the offensive line? I hate having this conversation again, but we're gonna, we got to have it with our right side. Alex Kappa was out of practice, but he was in a boot and he was on a scooter. Doesn't look like he's going to play. I have no idea how long he's going to be out. He's going to be up in the round, but we got to get past the first one here. So we got uh, uh, Hakeem Adeniji and uh, Max Sharping on the right side. What are you guys' thoughts? I mean, the, the Ratbirds still have a, a very good defense, no matter how, you know how bad Lamar's out there. Their defense is still pretty legit. So, what what's your thoughts on that? Go, go, we'll go. We'll go with Willie first this way. We'll go, go Willie first. Yeah, right on. So. I surprisingly feel a little bit more okay about the right side of the line going into this game than I do the left side of the line. Really? Watching Jonah Williams and Cordell Volson struggle last week yeah. uh, the way they did was pretty concerning. Um, right, guys. Beautiful Ooh. beer. Those are delicious. Those are those are one of my favorite summer things. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. Looking back at some of that, t- I feel pretty good about Max Sharping. I feel pretty solid about Hakeem Adeniji as well at right tackle. 
For whatever reason, that doesn't give me the stomach turn that it gives some others. Obviously, it's still going to be Joe Burrow stepping up with a different line. Alex Kappa led a lot of the communication in the passing game, um, which is a little bit concerning, but I, I don't think you're going to see a drastic drop-off with Max Sharpie. A guy that's had a lot of starts in this league. Right. And, and frankly, the weak link at this point that a lot of people would look at, you know, Max Sharping is a concern. I've heard that a lot. You know, you don't know what you're going to get. He started 33 games in Houston. And as I think it's either Jay Morrison or Paul Daner Jr. reported, uh, Houston really wanted to keep him. And I've also heard that Houston was uh, pretty upset that the Bengals were the ones to land Max Sharping. They intended on keeping him as a starting guard this season. Um, but he had an escalator due to the number of starts he made under his rookie contract that brought him up to, I think he's around two and a half or two, actually I think it's $2.6 million this year. Um, and they were be able to retain him for about, I think it was 1.8 or something if they waived him and snuck him back onto the roster. But the Bengals have essentially had a team starting guard on their roster as a backup all season long. So when they got him in as an insurance, you know, thing right at the beginning of the season, I was pretty fired up about it. Um, obviously I felt, I was thinking more of like a Volson pad at that point, but Volson's played well enough to where I, he's not a major concern to me at any, you know, at any I, real I, setting. I didn't struggle at all until like a little bit last week. That was the first time I really seen him struggle in a couple weeks, to be honest. Yeah. He looked like he had a little bit of a, wow, my hair went crazy. That was fun. <laughs> um, it looked like he had a little bit of a struggle <laughs> against the Listeners really put his hat up and his, his hair went flying. That was sweet. I haven't <laughs> seen that do that in a minute. Um, but the left side of the line is just giving me a little bit of stomach churn. I, I don't know what it is about it. Adafi Owe just seems to be giving Jonah Williams a lot of problem on the edge in particular, but that's kind of what, uh, how I feel about the whole thing. I, I, I might be a loner in that capacity, uh, well, but let's, yeah. let's find out. Santori, what do you got? You're not a loner. First and foremost. <laughs> I let's didn't go. think so. Um, My reaction, like I didn't think so. <laughs> so Max Sharping was one of my favorite pickups and, you know, about the time we got him, I can't remember the exact date. Um, but it was one of those things where whenever we signed someone, I tried to do, I would say, a deep dive, but I at least scrubbed beyond the surface to see what this guy's actually like. Um, I was surprised as hell that Houston even put him in a position to where he could be claimed. Um, I, I'm not sure if I'll go as far as saying he's a starting caliber right guard, um, but he's definitely a damn good backup. Uh, he's better than probably 80% of the guys we had on the roster last year. Um, not trying to be mean about it, but that's just the, the actuality of it. Yeah. Um, he has a pretty good track record in his last full season that he had in Houston. Uh, just This isn't off the top of my head, so I'm not trying to seem too smart here. But he had 400 <laughs> pass blocking reps, and he gave up 19 total pressures. So, I mean, there's there's some pressure being given up. But also, it's a manageable amount of pressure, and it's pressure that Joe can see coming at him. Um, so it's a different type. Um, the other thing is, and, and this is kind of a three-pointed thing, that being the first one. The second point is, this team this year has done an impeccable job of a next man up kind of mentality, whatever it is. I don't think there's been a time where they've really had next man up and it, it hasn't worked. Um, between Huber, I mean, even Adenogy, that's kind of the next point I'm going at. Mm-hmm. Um, Tufile coming out of nowhere for that short period. Oi, oi, oi! And, and really kind of balling out. Um, <laughs> they mad at me. That's not Cam, the right guy. Like, I don't care. Cam Taylor, <laughs> Taylor Britt being thrusted into a starting yes! role against everybody else who's already in midseason form. Eli Apple having to take on that number one role. 
Um, Jermaine Pratt really, you know, kind of stepping up and being the better linebacker this year, as much as some people don't like to hear that. Um, th- there's been numerous times, P. Ryan, Trent Irwin, that the next guy coming out of nowhere has had remarkable success with this team. And that's what happens when you're well coached, as much as some people still like to bitch about Zach. Um, look at the strides that this offensive line has taken. Williams is, you know, he's still up and down. And I think that's just kind of who he is at this point. Um, injuries kind of derailed his development a little bit and he's had multiple coaches. So I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass. Volson hasn't been the greatest left guard in the NFL, but a fourth round rookie to step in and be as solid as he has. From a division two. <laughs> right. So, yeah. I mean, that's worked out great. Ted Karras coming into a new system with a new coach. Been great. Kappa, new system, new coach. Been fine. Edenogy, I think, has probably made the biggest leap from a guy that I had on the chop block on my preseason roster to, okay, uh, he may actually be better than what Collins showed us this year. Not a knock on Collins, but I know he's dealt with his injuries. Mm-hmm. So, with Edenogy playing as well, as he has, and there's enough tape on there to support that he should probably be the starting right tackle moving forward. Um, I'm not worried considering he's got Karras on one side and Adenogy on the other and Frank Pollock coaching him up. Um, so what both that, of you are telling me is worry about the it. offensive line we have now is better than the one we went into the playoffs last year, even though we're, we're, we're short two. Oh, of it's two to three times better. Class years we signed. It's still two to three times better. I'm not – is it worse off because Kappa's not in? Oh, for sure. Well, but- Kappa, Kappa's been, according to Ted Karras, Kappa's been our best offense lineman. I think he grades out that, that way, too, all year, too. He's pretty up there. Um, the difference is, when you think about last year and you think about some of the drop-offs, because those were not the main five going into the Super Bowl that they wanted, the, the drop-off was significant. The drop-off from Kappa to Sharping is still a good drop-off, don't get me wrong. But it's not like we've fallen off of a clip. You've taken a couple steps back. I'm not sure there's a drop off between Adenogy and Collins right now. There's not. Um, <laughs> you can watch it on TV. As, as much as, much as that's going to shock some people. Uh, well, not, not to not to try to cut you off here, but that's what I was. I mean, I, I'm in no way a, a offensive line expert, but I mean, L has not lived up to expectations, and it has a lot to do with his back and injuries, Ooh. his order and stuff like that. But I expected. That's yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly what I thought it was going to look like. So. <laughs> But Adinage, as I said, when people are like, what are we going to do with Adinage? I was like, Adinage's looked really good. And he's playing in the position that he's most comfortable with, too. Here, so that helps a lot. You, depending on where you feel about Adinage and Collins, you've either broken even or possibly upgraded. You definitely haven't gone backward. Um, yeah, you've probably downgraded a little bit with Kappa, but Kappa to, you know, a guy that, like Willie said, could start for a lot of not this isn't an insult, but the bottom half of the league would probably use him as a starter. It would have started for us last year. <laughs> yeah, you probably would have, in all honesty. Uh, you yeah. still have Karras, who's one of the best pass blocking centers in the league this year. You still have Volson, and quite frankly, um, Kalias Campbell is going to be one of his bigger tests this entire postseason, and he got to see him last week. So I'm not expecting a terrible game out of him. You still have Williams, who sometimes looks elite and sometimes looks like he's never done it before. Um, <laughs> you know, but four of the five are still the same, if not better. So I really wouldn't be concerned. I got another one here. Just I'll, I'll put it in this this one. I'll kind of I'll just I'll let you guys give your opinion first. He said I trust Pirine more than Ooh. Mixon. Mixon is a bigger play threat, but Pirine is more reliable. Now this has been a debate I think all year since Mixon got hurt, but then Mixon came back, got five touchdowns, yada yada yada. Oh my goodness, Mixon's great again. 
Where are you, where are you guys at on, on, on Mixon and P. Ryan? So the thing with Joe Mixon that I think people kind of don't perhaps realize is if you look at the first five weeks, pretty much the worst running back in football by any metric you're going to find. Um, from then on, he's like top three in just about every analytical metric. I think he's pretty high in DBA. He's really high in rushing success. rate. I think he might be first in rushing success rate. Um, but the Mixon and P. Ryan divide, I have very mixed feelings on this because I feel like you do kind of know what you're going to get out of Samaj P. Ryan. There are days where you don't really know what you're going to get out of Joe Mixon. Um, there's days where he goes for 2.1 a pop. There's days where he goes for five a pop. And it feels like the days that are in between don't seem to happen so much these days. Um, so with that being said, I, I, I do wonder if when you get into the postseason, you start to see the splits, maybe not go towards P. Ryan leading it, but get closer to 50-50. And especially, we just talked about this offensive line being a little banged up, where you're going to start needing uh, P. Ryan is, you know, the right side of this line starting to be a little leaky or the left side of the line already being a little leaky. So I, I think that you see maybe a little bit closer to 50, 50 and, and maybe I think I still trust Joe Mixon a lot, but I just trust Samaj P Ryan to be in the right place in those pass pro snaps that are going to potentially define what would be a potential Bengals Super Bowl run. Keeping Joe upright is the key. Yes, Dory. absolutely. Yeah. Um, for the most part, I agree with Willie. Um, this is supposed Nick, to be a debate. You guys can't just agree on everything. God, like you, you set it up like it's a debate. Will we talk about I'm like, ding, ding, let's go. And you guys are like, oh, I agree. I'll agree. Uh, well, whatever. It, here, here's the deal. Um, <laughs> I I do love P. Ryan. He was my favorite running back coming out of college. So I've got significant bias. If you want me to take the talk show kind of approach no, no, and, no, 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 no. And, and argue a little bit, I can. Um, <laughs> um, here's the deal. Like, like Willie said, um, Piron's probably a little bit more consistent, but he's a consistent like C plus to B minus back. Joe, when he's on it, there's not many better. Right. The issue is he's not always on it. And a lot of that's because of the line. Call it what it is. We've said this on several shows, whether it's been me on this show or me on rally. Um, running backs are a lot like quarterbacks. They need to trust their line. They need to trust what they see in front of them. And I think for the first five weeks, Joe was just not trusting a damn thing. Burrow wasn't either. He had happy feet. It was on film. People don't want to say it, but it is what it is. Um, P. Ryan, I don't think, gives a shit. He's more of a sledgehammer, hit the hole and go, whether the hole's there or not. Batter um, ram. <laughs> and what, what you see is sometimes there is a small crease, and Joe's like, I don't know if I trust that. And he, you know, does his sidestep or his hop step or whatever he wants to do and makes a guy miss, gets a yard or two. And then sometimes there's that small crease, and P. Ryan's like, I got this, and he'll bust through it for five or six yards. And we're not used to seeing that straight ahead battering ram five or six yards. We're used to seeing, you know, a little wiggle, a cutback, Joe making a guy miss in the second level. It's a different style. Um, I do trust P. Ryan significantly more when it comes to pass protection, but I trust Joe significantly more catching the ball. Um, there's a reason why Joe Mixon is, if he hasn't, incredibly close to setting a franchise record for receptions this year as a running back. Um, he's done a fantastic job. Um, Joe's obviously trusting him in the passing game, and that's also going to start limiting some carries because running backs, that's a body blow position. If you're going to get more receptions, you're going to run the ball more. Uh, I do think that P. Ryan benefited from Mixon kind of hesitating a little bit, and then there was the whole we're going to change our run scheme midseason, and now we're kind of pulling back 
to the zone and duo scheme that we originally wanted to do. There's so much information to really try and digest. Uh, Mixon is a significantly better athlete, and I don't think Samaje would even argue that. Right. Um, it depends what you want out of him. Really, I mean, if you want what, what pass this, pro, what, what about this question here from Ryan? From Ryan, it says so. Mixon or Piran, one or both will not be here next year. I, I said on the show, I love Mixon. I don't think he's. I don't think they're resigning him to be honest. But Dude, I think they'll both be here next year. I feel yeah, pretty good so? about that. They, I think yeah. they both have. They're both under contract through next season, at least. And the Mixon's yeah, they are. But, I mean, yeah. you got a lot of people to sign. And oh, see the Piran. I think both of them are going to be pretty burnt out by the end of their contracts. I think Mixon, you might be able to squeeze a little bit more out of, but. Both of them are kind of getting up there and running back miles. And I, I mean, in two years, those running back, the shelf life on running backs in this league yeah, is just brutal. Years. Yeah. Um, if, By the way, did check your work. Joe Mixon did break the single season running back receiving record. I was like, he's got to be close. If he For has the Bengals, to. anyway. Yes. He's 60 to 56. Uh, Giovanni yeah. Bernard had 56 and 13, and Mixon has 60 and 22. Awesome. There you go. Yes. Um, and that was purely feel. I had no idea. <laughs> It just seemed like they've been using them a lot. Um, but we'll we'll get to this here in just a second. With, with Mixon, if I'm putting my GM cap on and looking at dollars and everything going on, um, well, again, something a lot of people aren't going to want to hear, he's a cut candidate just purely from the cap number and the cash that's going to need to be shelled out to Burrow and Higgins. Um, I'm not saying it's one or the other with Higgins or Mixon. That's far from the truth. Um, but at some point, it's going to start getting tight. And if you're going to look at the seven or eight guys that are either up or need extended, which are Burrow, Wilson, Pratt, you know, Higgins, there's quite a few of them. Um, At some point, you can't pay them all. And that's just the truth of it. And quite frankly, it's a good problem to have. It means you've collected a shit ton of good talent. Um, So if they do have to let somebody go, you know, I I hate saying this too, but running backs are moderately easy to replace. Um, It, it just wouldn't surprise me. This one, they, Matt, uh, me and him had this discussion before, and he's brought, and I keep forgetting about this. He said, we're, but we're supposed to get an extra $68 million from the TV deal. Is that cash or cap? Because they're two different numbers. That I don't know. If it's cap space, um, great. Um, that That's awesome. If it's, I would rather have cash liquidation because I can manipulate the cap. I can't manipulate hard-earned cash in my hand. Um it's, oh sure you can. I can spell. That. I can spend that stuff real quick. The stuff in my hand. That's easy. It, it's. <laughs> it depends how much cash the Bengals have with liquidation, and quite frankly, it's going to come to how much is guaranteed on Joe Burrow's contract. Um, does he go the Brady route? I don't know. Um, that's probably more up to his agent than Joe. Um, but it's. Uh, there's there's a lot of factors, and unfortunately, there's going to be a couple guys. Um, that are gone, that you're not going to want to see gone. That's just the nature of the beast. Exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. That, that's kind of what I've said on here. We're not going to be able to keep everybody, but we got to keep the main guys, which is Joe, T. You'll Jamar. keep Joe. You'll keep Jamar. T, I would love to keep, but I'm not sure. Just strictly numbers. Um, I, we're keeping I feel pretty good about – I'm not trying to – I've said this on everything I've ever been on, but I, <laughs> I feel very good about the odds of T Higgins remaining a Bengal. I, I All right, Willie, you're with me. Deal. Let's go. I, yeah. I feel very good about him remaining a Bengal too. But if Joe Jamar... Jackpot literally hugged him on the side last week. Come on, if, that's a sign, okay? If Joe, Jamar, and T remain Bengals, which I love and I think yes. those are the yes. three guys you absolutely have to retain. If those three are retained, 
Those are three big ones. And you're not keeping both linebackers if you're retaining both nope. of those guys. So Pratt or Wilson's gone. Take your pick. Um, and that means one of the two, either Boyd or Mixon, are gone. Unless you can find a way to backload T's contract to where those two contracts, which will be up in the next year or two, aren't going to hurt you as much. You're possibly a restructure, which the Bengals don't do a whole lot of. Um, but mainly the the big ones, if you're going to retain T, Joe, and Jamar, you can say goodbye to at least one of those linebackers. Well, that's why we got uh, 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 Akeem Davis Gaither, so he can step up and take one of the spots. So that's oh, wait, mean, draft picks, baby. This is right. Gonna... And also got miles of, uh, That's uh, the other picks. thing. When you spend yeah. big money to retain, you're not going to spend as much in free agency. Um, so I wouldn't expect giant splashy moves like you've seen. You'll see some. You'll, you'll see some good middle pieces, but you're not going to see these giant DJ Reader or Trey Hendrickson moves. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Though, to, we're not going to have – I don't think we're going to sign outside free agents in the offseason here. It's going to be our own team. But anyway, we, we can talk – we got plenty of time to talk about that after – the season goes on. Let's let's roll. We keep talking. We're gonna run out of time. So let's get to this fi- film study here that uh that Satori's got queued up for us. What, what are we looking at here, buddy? So um th- this was kind of brought up on Twitter. Um and it's it's something that we've seen the entire year, really. Um, and everybody likes to complain about why is the right tackle split out so far. <laughs> um, I know Parker's brought it up to me. Uh, I've seen Jake Liskin. Well, he's already laughing. <laughs> um, well, it, it's one of those things that um, I never coached offensive line, so I never really cared to really look into it. I figured they're doing it on purpose. They did it with Lael Collins all the time, and then they're doing it with Akeem. So I was like, okay, this isn't a Lael thing. This is a scheme thing. Um, so I asked around, and one of my buddies kind of broke it down for me pretty easy. Um, I can roll the clip. There's not really a whole lot of point. It looks better if it's still. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are going to read into this as saying it's tipping the play. It's one of those things where you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? So the point of splitting out that right tackle is to create better cutback lanes on inside zone. Um, it's specifically for run plays. You'll occasionally see it out of a pass. If you see it out of pass, it's because they were going to run and they checked out of it and they don't want their line to shift and get in trouble. Um, so what's going on here is you have 97 who's in a 2i right? So guy right over Kappa's inside shoulder. Um, over Kappa's head would be a two technique shifted inside on the shoulders, a two eye. Um, the double team that needs to happen is going to be Karis and Kappa double teaming 97 and working up to 18. Roquan Smith, our favorite linebacker right now. Um, <laughs> it is not Karis's job to get to Roquan. It is Kappa's job to get to Roquan in this scheme which doesn't look good based on the way the linebacker is shaded over the two eyes, right? Ass cheek. That's called being plussed. So what's going to happen is Hakeem is going to split out a little bit wider. Okay. One, it's going to put number four, whoever the hell that is, uh, Pierre Paul uh, in a tough position because he is going to have to widen his split out too. So it automatically creates that giant cutback lane, unless he wants to cut really inside and just get washed down the line, which Hakeem would love to do. Or he can try and run around the outside on an inside zone, which is not his responsibility, and get completely taken out of the play. The reason he's split is it gives Kappa a little bit more leverage to take a wider technique and get the outside shoulder of 97, his left shoulder, for looking at him from behind. And then it lets Karras be able to dive a little bit more inside and get Kappa to work up to 18. It's just a way to create an easier double team 
and it's a way to create larger cutback lanes because it makes that backside defensive end have to contain a little bit different. There's a reason they do it, and that's the reason 100%. The only issue is exclusively it's a run play. <laughs> so if you see it, there's about a 90 to 95% chance it's an inside zone. The only time I didn't see it, like I said, is when they did a quick out um, and they checked into that or it was an RPO or he just killed the R on the RPO and just made it the quick out. Um, so yeah, that's they, why that's why they, it's happening. It's they, it's not due to Collins not being mobile enough. It's not due to Collins needing help. It's not doing to Akeem oversetting. It's not due to some someone having a bad knee or bad hand technique or bad feet or bad shoulder or bad back. It's strictly to help create a bigger cutback lane for Joe Mixon. What do you got there, Willie? I, the one thing I, so I didn't know that, that was the exact reason, but every time I feel like I see this one, it's been a run play or two, <laughs> every time I see it, like, damn, they're sneaking a quick RPO on this. I don't know what the design of it is, but something about it makes them want to sneak an RPO. I wonder if they're comfortable tipping the play with the idea that, Defenses aren't going to over pursue it knowing that Burrow will pop an RPO on them. That would be the only thing I could uh, think why it's comfortable for them to tip within this offense because typically I'm not one to think tipping plays is an awesome idea, but <laughs> not normally. No. That's a good explanation. That's fascinating, but it's an inside zone. Huh. Now I'm, I'm going to have to watch some of these with the same eyes. That's <laughs> if you go back sense. and if yeah. you go back and watch the first drive, they ran it four times on the first drive. <laughs> Three times it was a handoff. The other time he checked out and did a quick pass. <laughs> I was like, all right. Because I was even like, so the, the guy that walked it through me used to coach in, in the league. I was fortunate enough to have him as a mentor. Um, I just sent him this screenshot and I was like, why are they doing this? And he was like, oh, it's inside zone. They're doing this combo, working up, whatever. I was like, would you ever pass out of it? And he's like, probably not. And I was like, isn't it better to just line up normally? He was like, He's like, you'll go three yards in a cloud of dust each time. He said it opens up a big play on the cutback if it's there. Um, so if it's, the, if it's perfectly blocked and they know it's coming, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that, that's the one thing yeah. about the NFL is it, there's some creative wrinkles, but for the most part, there's only like three or four different playbooks and everybody just kind of puts their own seasoning on it, so to say. Um, most teams can kind of figure out what you're doing. It's just a matter of executing at the point of attack, more or less. That's why when people bitch about play calling, it gets me upset. I'm like, there's really only like eight plays. Like <laughs> there's variations on them, but there's not that many concepts as much as it's not, I'm not going Wait, over. You don't think it's a big roll of decks of plays? Hurt. You know, it's like, it's big. well, like here's the deal. Like when I coached and this is for freshman football, you know, I, I, I coached a very, very small freshman football team. Um, but we had 42,000 play combinations in our playbook. And it was based on, the left hash, the middle hash, the right hash. So that's a multiplier of three. And then we had eight formations that all changed on the hash. So that's already 24. We had eight pass plays. We had eight run plays. We had five different motions. And the way you create all your variations, you start going eight times 24 times eight times five. And your playbook ends up being like this big if you would print all of them out. But at the end of the day, it's like, 12 words that you have to learn it's kind of like a subway sandwich like you can make all these variations but at the end of the day you made 28 sandwiches that just had pepperoni on them it's still a pepperoni sandwich so i'm leaving this up there because i want to i want to read from a, a boy <laughs> that's the weirdest way to put it but it's true 
said, uh, uh, Parker Blake here says, uh, did L not wide widen out on past plays too? I swear he was wide on 8% of snaps. Could definitely be wrong though. It was one of those things because I had a conversation with someone else about it. He did periodically. Um, but again, RPOs. Mm-hmm. So they are, it's a run set on an RPO. Um, sometimes you can check out of it, but even if you check out and do a straight pass, he's not going to tighten his split up after that. It's one of those, well, I'm, now I'm really tipping it. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. So right. he did do it sometimes, and maybe that was a little bit to his benefit. Um, the other thing Parker's asked me, and I want to go over this too before it gets too late. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we uh, Parker and I had gone over several times where there is a style of pass protection where you'll have the running back on the left hip and his key that he's reading is all the way on the right side of the line. And it's like, why, if he is, if he's watching a corner or someone doing a stunt, why is he on the left hip and not the right hip? Um, Same question I asked to my mentor. And he said, one, um, sometimes the defense predicates their blitz on where the running backs lined up. So, you know, you line them up in one spot, knowing they're going to blitz and you make it comfortable on the other spot. Uh, and the other thing is, too, if he's watching somebody's key over there and that's the guy that's supposed to be guarding him and he doesn't blitz or he doesn't get to the zone properly and then you flush out on that release, he's never going to get there to cover him. He said it's not ideal, but it is a necessity. There you go. So that's why they do that as well. So that one's for Parker specifically. You, you, got, you got anything you want to add to that there, there Willie? No, I think that's a wonderful explanation of the wonderful uh, explanation. Yes. All right. So let's, let, yeah, let's do it this way here. All right. So we roll into, we just look ahead a little bit here. We all think we're going to beat the rap birds. Okay. I'm looking ahead. Yeah. I think a lot of people will beat the rap birds. Um, I don't think Miami's going to beat <laughs> Buffalo. So it looks like we're going to. Don't sleep on Skylar Thompson. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Hey, I'll, 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 I'm here for it. I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll really have a home game. Here in Cincinnati, but it looks like we're yeah. at most likely <laughs> going to Buffalo in the second round here. Now, the Bills uh, activated the window for my kid through the Micah Hyde. Thank you. So there's a chance, which sucks, but there's a chance that he could be back for the Bengals Bills game in the second round because I, you know, because the Bills secondary, let's be honest, has been playing a crap. I, I think the Bengals. The you know eight minutes or where we played the game exposed them. We were torching them. If he's back, does that make that big of a difference for as long as he's been out? Or 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 you guys, where are you guys at on that with the Bengals versus secondary? The Bills secondary. Go ahead, I'll Willie. Let, I'll let Willie take this one. Yeah, so yeah Torres so talks a lot. We'll, we'll let Willie talk. <laughs> so, and a good example of it is on the Bills roster itself, and that's with Trey White coming back um, about halfway through this year after suffering a torn ACL. Now. Different injury from Michael. I can't remember what it is, but it definitely wasn't a, a torn ACL. Um, and I, I think that as we've seen Trey White come back and, you know, playing at least a Pro Bowl level last season um, to come in this season. And as we all saw in the first eight minutes of that Monday night game, which, again, I continue to say we can't use it as a referendum on either of those two teams. But you saw the Bengals pretty going at Trey White pretty good and cooking him pretty good. Um so what version of Micah Hyde are you going to get? I mean, the guy is an absolute bulldog when he's on the field. He's tends to be one of the most impactful players on the Bills roster. But I think in injuries in this league, when you're out for so long, it, it does take a little while for a lot of guys to get back to the top level. 
Um, I mean, it's would it shock me if he jumped back onto the field and is back at Micah Hyde, you know, potential all pro level? No, I wouldn't be entirely shocked. That's the way this guy's been throughout his entire career. He overcomes, he grinds through things, he plays through it. But I'd be skeptical that if his first game back, after not practicing for so long, after not playing in games all season long, I think he played one or two weeks before he went down. I mean, you just have to wonder. It does give the Bills a little bit of a boost. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that's that secretary could use a lot of love right now. So mm-hmm. does it help? Yes. Um, does it, you know, make me feel like it's a totally different Bills team? I, I don't feel that way. I still think that defensive backfield is going to have a lot of issues that can be exposed. There you go. Centauri? Um Please don't agree. With me. We're going to do it again, aren't we? <laughs> no. No, I'm – the debate um, show where they all we all just hug it out. <laughs> it's um, I, I'm gonna kind of disagree disagree here. There we go. Um, that's what I'm talking about. I will, I'll agree with the part that you can't expect them to be as physically dominant and have that kind of physical presence. Um, anytime you miss time, like we said with Lamar and Huntley, you know it's there's rust, right? The thing with safeties, and no one will ever convince me otherwise, um, it's my favorite position on the field. It's what I coached. It's what I love. It's what I know. Um, And I get a lot of heat for saying this. To me, it's the most important position on the field next to quarterback. I don't care. I will put it above center. I'll put it above edge rusher. I'll put it above middle linebacker. To me, that's the guy. Um, If you've got a guy out there who knows how to make the checks and the calls, because a lot of them come from the secondary – you get a lot of those calls and checks in the middle linebacker, you know, you get getting your <laughs> your D-line right and getting those coverages underneath right. But if it's not fluent on the back end where this is a passing league, it's a disaster. And even if he's got a bum leg out there, but if he's fired on all cylinders from above the shoulders, it makes a tremendous difference. Uh, case in point that I think everybody in Cincinnati has a soft spot for uh, is Chris Crocker. Chris was not a Mm. super amazing athletic playmaking safety, but for whatever reason, when he was out there, the defense churned. Mm -hmm. They were awesome. If he missed time, they looked lost at times. Safeties just as much as middle linebackers get their guys in the right spot. Having a veteran out there that knows his shit will make a world of difference. Whether he can cover or not, I don't know. Whether he can tackle or not, I don't know. But if I got 10 other guys out there firing on all cylinders and the 11th is the mastermind, that's a coach on the field, man, and you can't replace that shit. Yeah. All right, let's get the Greg's time out here. He said, uh, uh, going to the back to the Ravens game here, he said, when the Ravens sink uh, in the throw, in and that, in, then throw it, Ravens will start in a Tampa two and put a major pressure on Burrow. They will attack our right side and try to hit Burrow hard and often and you guys said you're not worried about the right side so nope. what's your thoughts on that Go good luck <laughs> good luck <laughs> i mean joe burrow has been the second best quarterback in the league against cover two and since the uh i think it was since week two or week four or something right, right. um second only to patrick mahomes and i don't know if you guys have heard of that guy before but he tends to be pretty good at this, this, i don't know some guy that's over in kansas or Ah. missouri or one of those states over there he's all right but (laughs) yeah yeah so joe burrow has been just below him in every category against cover two so uh, baltimore that's go for it i'm cool with that if that's how you want to play this game if you want to try to attack the right side of the line go and sit in tampa two and be cool with that have at it 
that's that's your uh that's your thing. How that's fun is it to do. be this confident of, of, of our team going into a playoff run? I, I'm just sorry. I just I love this. <laughs> Go ahead, Sitar. What do you think? Screens, power runs, draws. There's a million ways to slow down a pass rush. Um quick game, baby. Right. It's you, know, <laughs> you get some deflected passes because of that, but you know, at the end of the day. Um, there's been five plays the entire year that have had a deflected pass piss me off. Um, so I'll take that ratio as much as it pisses you off. Um, I'll take that ratio over the course of a season. Um, look, Baltimore was seven and three or whatever they were. They limped, limped into the playoffs and they're not any healthier now than they were when they limped in. Mind you, limped into the playoffs with the easiest schedule in football right. in the backstretch. Um, and here's the other thing that I know Joe gets pressure. Joe has the second highest quarterback rating in the NFL when pressured. Go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want him, he has a higher passer rating when pressured than when he's not pressured. <laughs> um, if you, you want to zero me, go for it. Um, if you want to do and here's the other thing. You can either blitz and do man, which is a death sentence with this team, whether T's out there or not. Uh, it's a death sentence. Um, if you want to do zone blitzes, that means that there's one less guy out there and the zones are a lot smaller. So there's a lot more green grass that Joe's going to find. Um, and if they do break through, guess what? His knee's healthy. I'm sure everybody on the planet's seen that scramble he had against Baltimore last week. Uh, go for it. You know, it's it's one of those things where uh, I'm not even going to get into the debate of whether he's a one, two, or three quarterback. Uh, he is he's up there, and I'll I'll take my chances with anybody. You, you go with the uh, the Colin Coward school of thinking here, and that's who's at home, who is the better quarterback, who is the better defense, who's healthier. Cincinnati Bengals inject okay. by Joey. Well, they're four and zero. It's it's not looking good for Baltimore. And yeah, you know, a wounded animal is the most dangerous animal. But if a dog's missing all four legs and his lower jaw, he's not going to hurt you much. <laughs> true. There's not. True. At true. some point, it's you know the it's just a flesh wound that comes into effect. What are you going to do? Bleed on me? Like, <laughs> what is that movie from? Monty Python. Oh, Monty Python. Yeah, yes. Holy Grail, baby. Yeah. Yes. There you go. I remember that one. I just, I, I, I just watched it the other day. I should remember that. All right, boys. Been on for us here about 46, 47 minutes. Let's start getting your, your shows promoted here before we roll on out of here. Willie, I'll let you go first. Tell everybody what you got going on with the new, new uh, same old stripes and everything else you got going on with Bet Jack. Yeah, you know the boys at same old stripes. We're just banging away over there doing our normal podcast. Still going once or twice a week. Just depends on what kind of mood we're feeling in. Um, yeah, nothing too crazy to report, uh, with that one. Bet Jack, however, as you're sponsored by, you know, the boys at Ben Fred, so I feel kind of bad for plugging that thing, but, oh, yeah. um, great stuff going on. Uh, one of the really exciting, um, new apps that are entering all of our vocabularies and everything. Um, the thing that I do like to, you know, kind of prop up about Bet Jack that I think is really, really cool is they have some really cool Ohio specific parlays where you can, you know, bet on either the Browns or the Bengals offense to, you know, who's going to have more yards, that kind of stuff. And they, they're going to have a bunch of those kind of special games parlays for the Cavs, the Reds, the Blue Jackets, Ohio State, the Crew, FC Cincinnati. Um, if you guys want to check out the Bet Jack app, highly recommend it. They're not paying me to say this, by the way. I, that's not how I make my money. Um, but he actually I, has I a job. 
<laughs> yeah, I do this. It's more of a fun thing. So if you want to check it out, I highly recommend it. It's it's just got a really good interface, and I've been on a lot of these apps, and I don't love all of them. <laughs> there you go. All right, well, as always, I appreciate you, man. We're going to have to do this again. Hey, we'll do it right on. on our playoff run. How's that sound? Oh, sounds beautiful. All right, brother. Who day? Who day? All right, Centauri, what do you guys got going on Rally before I let you roll on out of here? Yeah, so Rally Around the Natty, we're just a Cincinnati sports talk show, very much like it is here. Uh, it's me, my dad, uh, Greg Luther, Cincy James. Uh, we they are gotta on... play us. <laughs> they gotta play us, right? They'll right. stand gotta, on the tracks when the train's coming through. Um, <laughs> Greg has said that to me every day for like the last eight weeks, but we keep winning, so keep saying it, Greg. Keep saying it, Greg. Um, so we um we, we go Mondays and Wednesdays at seven. Typical format is Monday is kind of a preview show with a or a recap show with uh you know, typically a, a sportsy knowledge kind of X's and O's guy. And then Wednesdays we do preview shows. We bring on some content creators. Uh, man, I mean, we, we've had quite a few recently. I mean, we've hey, had some good guests on. Yeah. We've had Yaz. We've had Nicole. We've had Cincy Bob, Cincy had script coffee. And we, we've had so many of these just local companies and, and content creators. And it's, it's great uh, to work with them and get their stuff out there. Um, but yeah, Monday, Wednesday, Monday and Wednesday at sevens, uh, football season. It's pretty exclusively Bengals. Um, I'm sure once, uh, off season hits, it'll go to draft talk and my dad's going to absolutely loathe it. And then, uh, then the reds are going to come on. We'll probably yeah, we're gonna talk all about the reds. Cause the reds are going to <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll probably switch to once a week, once baseball starts and just kind of do weekly <laughs> reviews. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just a little back porch bickering. Uh, my dad likes to refer to himself as the uh, j- just the old boomer point of view. Likes to argue uh, about with us sensitive kids. And uh, yeah, since James in the the comments, we do have Tom Justin on tonight um, from Bengal Jim's show. Uh, I forget the name of it at the moment. I, we do so many of these things. So it's like football and friends or something. Sorry, Bengal Jim. <laughs> Bengal Jim and friends. Bengal Jim and friends. That's Bengal Jim and friends. But yeah, we've, we've got Tom Justin, their historian, on tonight. So uh, I know Greg's got some uh, running back debates, and we're going to talk about the Ravens and Lamar and not Lamar or whatever the hell we got going on tonight. Sounds awesome, dude. I'm ready for this playoff run. I cannot wait. I want that Lombardi. Who day, Centauri? Who day? All right, guys. As always, I hope you enjoyed that. That was our little debate show. Yeah, I set it up. So Tori one side, Willie on the other side. They came out and they gave each other big hugs. That's all it was. Anyway, <laughs> I hope you guys like that. Both those guys really know their stuff. Make sure you check out them on Twitter. If you don't follow them, follow them on Twitter. Uh, check out the shows, uh, Samo Strites and Rally Around the Natty. Both of them great shows. So give them a follow and a like. I would appreciate it. I also appreciate, as always, the Facebook groups that let me live stream. They are Hootay Nation, Hootay Legion, Bearcat Ruckus, Radical Reds, the Ohio State Bucknuts, the Ice Bar. And then you follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice, all on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And, uh, Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trenopole. TikTok is at Iceman90. They're all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. You find it by typing that in normally, too. I will be pulling off the sound later on tonight. So if you missed any of this and you can't sit there and watch us for almost an hour, Check it out on the, on the podcast. It'll be on BeanPod, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher Play, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Please, on Apple Podcasts, please make sure you rate, like, and review. Give me a five-star review. 
leave a comment so more Cincinnati fans can find my podcast. It just helps. I'm trying to get that out there because I'm able to uh, put it out there every night as long as I don't forget. <laughs> YouTubers, you guys are awesome. My originals were at 2017 subscribers. Yesterday, I celebrated my 1,000th show. Today is my 1,001. Can't believe I did a thousand shows. Now I can't believe I've done a thousand and one shows. I can't believe I have two thousand and seventeen people follow me. Again, as always, I appreciate you guys for buying my heart. It is awesome. Now, real quick, again, I'll put this up there because I think this stuff is cool. If you guys are interested in any of the new Jackpot Joey stuff here, let me bring the pictures up here. Uh, go to jackpotjoey9.com. We have new AFC Championship hoodies. And you see right there, we got the white one where it's got the AFC Champion with the crown on it. Jackpot Joey nine. You got a black one. And then you always have the orange one. So make sure if you guys are interested, like I said, go to jackpotjoey9.com. And like I said, please remember that portions of the proceeds, every portion of every purchase, every portions of everything you buy goes to the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund and the Joe Burrow Fund. So you're not only wearing cool stuff, but you're helping a really cool foundation out. And I am very happy to be a part of it. So anyway, go check that out. I think I am heading up for West Side People, which pork chop. I know you got to work, so you can't come up. But I am heading up to um, Wishbone here. I'm going to go catch um, Dan Horde and Dave Lapham on Bengals Line or Bengals Pepper Alley or I don't know, one of the Bengals shows. They're going to be up there, so I'm going to be up there and uh, listening to them and their great insight. I can't wait till Sunday. Like I said, it's so much fun being. I don't want to say talk trash because I'm not really trying to talk trash. Just being this confident. In your own football team. It is awesome. I remember watching the Patriots, watching the freaking squealers and watching the rap birds and them going to watching Super Bowls and all the fans having fun, tailgating and going to the games and winning most time. And that didn't happen here in Cincinnati. We have it now. Like I said this before, we hit the jackpot when we drafted jackpot Joey Burrow. We also hit the jackpot when we uh, hired Zach Taylor and Lou Anarumo. Those guys are unbelievable. Enjoy this. Let's have some fun. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Other than that, that's just sports, baby. See ya! Jungle, we unite in love. Dripping orange and black and white. Ooh.
Now who 